One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this you can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is supported by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Every week they send you a box with delicious recipes, step-by-step instructions, designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks, short on time. Get 50% off of your first box by visiting hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and use the promo code CanadaLand. And this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Showcase your work blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you are ready to launch, use the offer code CANADALAND. You'll get 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Tom Hennifer. Hello. 
acting vice president of Canadian Journalists for Free Expression, former executive director of SAME. That's true. Guy who maybe thought that he was done with this kind of thing. Welcome. <laughs> it's always good to flex the muscles again. It would be nice under better circumstances, but you know. Today, Tom, we are going to talk about Canadian Journalists for Free Expression's troubles with free expression. We're going to talk about the coverage of the Humboldt Broncos tragedy, and we're going to talk about Rick Mercer. He has finally run out of alley. He's a national treasure. It's sad to see him go, although apparently he's not fully retired. So. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Krista O'Reilly, Isabel Busby, Colleen McMullen, Hannah Rickards, Caroline Knox, Luke Robertson, Mike Thiessen, and Manis Shukla. Hi, my name is Manis. Uh, I live in Toronto and I work as a pilot. I listen to a lot of Canada Land. Uh, it's my main source for skepticism and criticism of traditional Canadian media. And Tom, this episode, as I mentioned, is brought to you by HelloFresh. You seem like a health-conscious, fit young man who probably values fresh, locally sourced ingredients. I try, I do. I've thought many times of subscribing to one of these services. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but maybe uh, maybe your recommendation will get me to buy. Maybe it will. In the next 40 seconds, we'll see if we can win you over. I don't know if you like to cook or not, but this is a way to cook in one chore instead of four. You don't have to do meal planning and shopping and waiting in line. And then, and then you don't have the guilt of throwing away the extra ingredients you bought because who can eyeball the exact amount of cilantro? In fact, you don't get the choice. You actually always have to buy five times as much fucking cilantro as you actually need. That's true. It's true. HelloFresh gives you exactly the right amount of cilantro for the recipe that you're cooking. There's no food waste. Everything is fresh, locally sourced. You don't have to do the meal planning. They do it for you. And they have tested these recipes. I've seen their test kitchen. It's super fun. I kind of want that job. They make sure that even dummies like me can cook these recipes in 30 minutes or less. If this sounds interesting, Tom. It does. Although my fiance is a nutritionist, so I'm a little bit spoiled. Still. Well, you know, I think that uh, she would probably approve as well. <laughs> You'll get 50% off of your first box if you go to hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and use the promo code CanadaLand. You know, I think I want to start by talking about the coverage of this god-awful accident where all of these young athletes died in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. I struggle with what to say about this. I mean, obviously this is what's on people's minds and figuring out what our angle is on a show about the media coverage was difficult because the coverage, like it's one of these things where what is most on people's minds and, you know, the topic that everyone is thinking about and the topic that people are feeling the biggest emotions about is a story that isn't really a story. It's just a tragedy. As far as we know so far, and it puts the media in this position of having to, you know, if you're taking the temperature of your readership and you know they want to know more about this, you have to give them something. But there's nothing. And so we get stories, I mean, some of which I think are rather benign and why not stories about, you know, a nation mourns and we're putting our hockey sticks out and how people are coming together. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with those. There's some stories that I feel like there was a story about how the tractor trailer company you know, it was an accident between this bus and a tractor trailer that the headline read, the tractor trailer company has its license suspended. And I think there's an inference there that they, oh, maybe there's somebody to blame. Yeah. And you get into the story and you find out, well, no, they do that every time. Well, I mean, you know, it's easy to look at this from the perspective of, you know, a media critic or an investigative journalist and say, like, where's the hook here? But the thing is that when it comes to a tragedy like this, I don't think there needs to be a hook. I think that it's just that people are realizing, you know, 
this horrible thing happened. It is a tragedy. They want to have the room and the space to breathe and to think on it and to somehow participate in the in the national grieving. And I mean, it reminds me of another story. I'm from New Brunswick and I, I was living in New Brunswick 10 years ago when the Bathurst Phantoms, that was a high school basketball team in New Brunswick, uh, had a very similar van crash. And I believe eight members of the team were killed. Mm-hmm. And it felt like very much the same thing at the time. There was an investigation as to whether the van was roadworthy and all of that. And, and that ended up being a kind of a controversy that played out over a long time. Time, but in terms of the immediate reaction, it was very similar. You know, I I don't know if this is something that really needs a lot of discussion and insight in terms of media criticism, really. I think it's just let's let those stories be out there. Let's let people grieve because there's not really much else to do in a situation like this. It's just a horrible tragedy. I was inclined to agree with you, and we didn't even have this story on our lineup. And it was sort of like, well, this is the biggest story of the week, but we don't, we're, we're under no obligation to just, you know, find in the same way that I think that there was nothing wrong with you know, what is the media for? Is it here just to tell you what happened? Or Mm. is this a place where we come together as a community to share our emotions about something? And there's nothing more to say than, you know, like I don't have any particular criticism of those stories that were just sort of perpetuating stories of people's mutual grieving. And what turned this around and made me decide that I wanted to discuss it with you, you know, it started out slow where I saw that there was, there's like a natural arc to these types of mm-hmm. narratives where first it's it's just okay this this is terrible and we want to know the information there's not much information well let's just let's just hold each other let's just like look at each other let's just you know recognize that other people are feeling the same thing that we are and then it starts to go a little bit sideways and it starts mm-hmm. with oh this one Tim Hortons franchise was selling donuts with the team colors maybe that was in bad taste and I, I felt like, come on, like, you know, some kind of a dumb move, but you yeah. know, the guy who runs the Tim Hortons franchise might not have the best sense of what the proper PR, like, okay, like, let's not take this enormous amount of emotion, which as sad as it is, is, is a generous and humanistic emotion and turn it into some sort of negative energy, but there's almost like an appetite for it to become a negative energy. And then it just takes one comment and then it happened. Mm. And Nora Laredo, who is sort of a, a stalwart, fiery person of, I guess, the radical left who writes for McLean's and other places and is on Twitter frequently. She tweeted, I'm trying to not get cynical about what is a totally devastating tragedy, but the maleness, the youthfulness, and the whiteness of the victims are, of course, playing a significant role. And she has been the target of like all, it's amazing how that same positive feeling can just become a hateful, murderous, sexually violent, ugly. And I want to say like, I think her statement was is, is stupid, but I have, I've had to struggle with this because I also think it's totally true. You know what I mean? Like if this was, okay, so let's look at this. You know, they've raised over like $7 million uh, for the for the families. And so I guess the inference here is if this were not young white men, if it were old Asian women, uh, would the response be different? I think it would be. I, I don't think people, we would still be very sad. I think it would probably be a better, you know, more analogous to like say a, an indigenous team from a reserve up north or something, you know, as opposed to old people. Like obviously the youth has something to do with this, but if it was people of color, what about the various different tragedies that people of color have gone underreported in Canada? I think that's probably a, a better parallel to draw than, you know, old Asian women. But I, I agree. The statement was dumb. This is definitely not the time for that. I think the time you know to talk about this thing is when one of these tragedies happens to another group that is being underreported that's the time to push for this yeah to get that reported it's not there's no reason to take away there's nothing wrong with the feelings people are having towards this it's a tragedy of course and it's you know a bunch of guys cut down on their prime that's going to resonate and i don't think that nora was right 
and making that statement now. I think if she wants to make that argument, the time to do that is when there's another story being underreported. When there's actually a victim uh, exactly. that, that you're advocating yeah. for. Don't take away from this tragedy, you know, amplify the coverage of another one yeah. that, that's, that's going on. But this is interesting, and this is why I did want to talk about this. You said, I don't think it was right of her. Now, in the sense of right being correct, I do think she is correct. And I place a very high value on saying true things, especially true things that people don't want to hear. And you like say it's, it wasn't smart of her to do that. Yeah, well, I, I've been kind of thinking, well, okay, it was right in that it was correct. It was not right in that it was, I mean, it was certainly, you know, I, I don't know if it was foolish. I mean, uh, maybe she doesn't care. Then I was thinking about the morality and ethics of it. I don't necessarily, like the people who are coming at her so violently and angrily, uh, fuck them. Yeah, but, that's completely unjustified. You, ca you can't threaten someone because of something they've said. But, I mean, you but can. I, you yeah, I kind of feel like I am not cool with her statement because I think it is possible for people who are actually mourning to read that. And the reasonable inference is that she is like to somebody who's in mourning to say, oh, well, people wouldn't be giving you the support and love and money that they would if your kid was black. And you're introducing your own, I don't know, I mean, a relevant issue, an important yeah. issue at an inappropriate, like, I, I'm not here to like, you know, wag my finger and teach manners to people. And I think that unpopular speech is the kind of speech that we need to be protecting. But I don't know, it just made me think about when you can be saying something that is true, but maybe you shouldn't be saying it. Yeah, like relevant issue, wrong time to bring it up, I think. And certainly wrong subject matter to bring it up. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's been seized upon and Adrian Batra, you know, uh, covered it to castigate Nora without mentioning everything that Nora has received in response. Once again, it's one of these issues where I certainly don't want to be adding to the pylon by bringing it up here. I do find something worth discussing about the way that grief and mourning and the way that tragedy plays out in the media and the propensity for it to become a negative force. Yeah, that's true. The other thing is, too, that you got to remember is we're two white guys talking about this. So that's our, our perspectives are not necessarily, you know, we're not representing every voice here either. So I think that's true. But in that same vein, uh, Nora Laredo is also a white person. And I, yeah. and there are many people who make it their work to advocate for better media coverage and generally, you know, looking for double standards as it applies yeah, to of people course. of color. And they're not making an issue out of this. Yeah. Perhaps because they have a better sense than Nora Laredo did. It comes across as pretty crass and tasteless at the time. It, it does. And that's no excuse for people to be violent towards Nora, you know, but that's, I think that's, that's all there is to say. Okay. Let's talk about what you're in the middle of right now. <laughs> sure. People are hearing this on Thursday. We're talking on Wednesday. They will already have, some of them will already have read the statement that your organization, Canadian Journalists for Free Expression, has put it's out. being by issued as we speak. As I we believe. speak. I haven't heard it yet, but I want you to tell me what it is. I'll be hearing it from the first time from your mouth, but why don't I leave it to you to summarize exactly what's been going on? Sure. So last week, CJFE issued a statement, which uh, is something that we often do, basically condemning the Israeli Defense Force's actions in using live ammunition and uh, and what we call disproportionate force against protesters and journalists on uh, on Good Friday. That was followed up again. There was this wasn't in our statement, but again, there were more attacks last week in which a Palestinian journalist was killed. That statement received a massive backlash of people saying that we had gone beyond our mandate. And then that backlash received a backlash saying that 
with all kinds of people saying, oh, well, I guess the fact they can criticize Iran and China and call on the Canadian government to pressure Turkey and Egypt and Russia. But as soon as we start talking about Israel, then it's off limits. And now all of a sudden it's being censored. So that's kind of what the two public narratives have been. So the board met. It's a volunteer board. Uh, it takes some time to get everyone together. So we had our first in-person meeting since that happened last night. And we're issuing a statement. The statement basically says, yes, we were wrong in that statement. We acknowledge that we were wrong. The board did not review the statement when it went up. So now the board has, we've already amended our communications policy. So anything, any public statement that goes up needs to be approved by a volunteer group of board members who will check to make sure that it's consistent with our message and our mandate. And we're saying, yes, we were wrong. This statement was, it was overbroad in focus. It was incorrect in tone. We still condemn the actions of the IDF uh, and we still call on the Canadian government to use appropriate measures to ask for a fulsome independent investigation into what happened both on April 6th and the, the more recent killing and woundings last week. And, uh, and we're going to be undertaking over the next few months a full review of our mandate and our focus and basically to make sure that we refocus and are doing that we are following our core mission. Because we do feel over the last few months that we have drifted from that, that we've made mistakes. And so we're basically issuing a mea culpa saying, yes, we screwed up. We're sorry. Uh, we put a lot of the people who volunteer for us in a difficult position where their objectivity could be called into question. We will never do that again. And we're taking all the actions that we can to ensure that that never happens. Okay. The position earlier was, hey, this is no different than what we've said before about Iran and China and other countries. So why are you wrong now? Well, the, that wasn't the position. The board felt that it needed review. And we did the full review last night. And that's what we believe. You, you were wrong, you say, in the tone? In the tone and in some of what we were calling for. I mean, it's I don't have the statement in front of me to go through the specific language. But after going through dissecting it line by line, because even I myself, I said, this statement, I would not have written it that way. It would have been very different if I was the one writing it. But I felt like it was okay as it may have been you know, a little bit more uh, hard hitting than some of the stuff that we'd issued in the past. But now upon further reflection of it, especially discussing it with the board members, even I acknowledge that, yeah, that statement had, a, it was problematic. It was too broad. It was uh, some of the actions that it called in the Canadian government, which I think it used something like absolutely every political channel to pressure the Israeli government to make this, uh, for this investigation, which I think is going too far. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because we can't, we can't ask the Canadian government in every single interaction they have with this foreign government to constantly be bringing this up. I don't think that's appropriate for us. I think that, but we can ask Christian Freeland to bring this up with her counterpart and say there needs to be an investigation yeah. of this. So we are still condemning the actions. We're still calling for an investigation. We're still calling on the Israeli government and the Canadian government, but we're doing it in a much more focused way that is within our mandate that is concentrating on the fact that these journalists were wounded and a journalist was killed. Protesters were wounded and killed. And, uh, and we want to make sure that that's investigated. Karoloff left the CGFE's uh, gala committee on, over this, saying that it placed her in conflict. Mm -hmm. She's still gone? Yes, as far as I know. But that's happened before with journalists, you know, when... C-51. Yeah, and but not just that, with other issues as well. Um, you know, there have been times when CJFE has taken a strong stand on something and generally journalists, but not just journalists, also people in other uh, walks of life who are involved with us felt that because of our stand, because of what they were involved with, they had a conflict. And as a result, they had to step aside. And there were never any hard feelings there. Then the rumors that there was pressure being put on the organization from the outside you know, to change our policy or that this is a result of pressure are completely 
false, and that has never happened. And specifically, people thought that the CBC was pressuring you writ large, and then there were people saying, oh, the Israel lobby has got to them. Yeah, that's the, uh, I mean, I spoke, the closest thing to the Israel lobby that I've had is is speaking to a a reporter with the Canadian Jewish News who was just asking me questions about it. I don't (laughs) think they're part of the Israel lobby. Okay, Um, okay, let me get the news, and then I want to talk about all these issues, because there's a lot of issues here. Who's out? Is Kevin Metcalf out, the guy who wrote this uh, this statement? Uh, His his employment's under review. Um, That's all I can say. It's an internal personnel matter. So Okay. And uh, after you left, there were two executive directors after you left, right? Yes. But one had left for uh, other, other unrelated. Uh, completely unrelated reasons. And then Duncan Pike. And Duncan Pike's gone now too? No. Duncan still, he has issued his resignation. Um, he'll be with us at least until April 20th. And was that a, a principled stand against the board? No, not at all. No one has resigned out of principle against the board. Uh, and the board has not asked anyone to resign okay. either. So right now, I mean, I'm just trying to get my head around this because I know that CJFE yeah. is a tiny embattled organization that like, I don't even know if Kevin, who works there now? Uh, I think we have one part-time staff person. One part-timer works there now. Yeah. Well, Duncan is still working there as well. And Kevin has not, as I said, his, his employment's under review, but he's still technically on leave as okay. of recording this. Let me try to find a way to encompass everything we need to talk about here in a uh, economical way. Well, let me put it this way. Duncan resigned fully of his own accord without like, any hard feelings to the board. He felt like he needed to do it to clear the air. Alice resigned as president because of a, a personal capacity issue. She's still on the board. So now Phil Tunley's our president as uh, he was vice president and I was secretary. So now I'm vice president. Okay. That was information dense and also delivered as somebody who is, you're with the organization and, and your language yeah, is, is careful. That's fine. I'm going to try to uh, put things in terms that'll make this understandable to more people. Sure. Uh, not that you did any, you did a fine job, Tom. Uh, let me, let me I'm have, a little close to it. Go let ahead. me have a crack at it and, sure. and you let me know how I get this wrong in the first thing I should say, and maybe should have said earlier, is that I have been an advocate and a member of the CGFE for years. I have a big disclosure, a big conflict of interest mm-hmm. here. I've uh, advocated for them on this show. I've donated money. I, I was on the, the Digital Issues Committee. Uh, I've been a proud member of the CGFE. And my understanding of the CGFE is, is that it is an organization that has saved lives mm-hmm. of journalists in distress. It, it has supported the families of journalists who've been killed or wounded. It has actually brought forth legislation to protect journalists' sources and to protect journalists' access to information. Mm-hmm. Uh, privacy issues. What this organization has done on a shoestring, tiny budget has benefited all Canadians. And I do understand and have always understood throughout my association with it that it is Canadian journalists who are behind this, but it is for free expression writ large. And that's always been compatible with my idea that there aren't special rules for journalists. Free expression as journalists exert it is everybody's free expression. I, yeah. I understood that. And the value that I place on it is that organizations like the ACLU in the United States are incredibly well-resourced compared to CGFU. Yeah. We have a really pathetic civil society in Canada where people just don't feel like they have to. Lowest per capita donations of any developed nation, I believe. It's atrocious. And there's just case after case of the state transgressing upon journalists. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk on the show with, with Ben McCoo and Justin Brake. I know CGFE is involved in these. I'm not being very economical here at all. <laughs> I value this organization. I, I've, I've put my money and my time where my mouth is on yep. this. And that is why when I read this statement, I thought, oh, fuck, what have they done? Mm-hmm. They have just like like self-immolated here mm-hmm. because it was very similar to an earlier statement where CJFE out of the blue said, we call for Justin Trudeau to block Donald Trump's entry to Canada. That was a massive mistake and we apologize for that as well. But I want to, I'm not trying to embarrass you here. Yeah. No, um, no, please. It was taking a radical and symbolic 
purely symbolic. It's mm-hmm. not going to do anything that CJFE is asking Trudeau to bar Donald Trump's entry to Canada because Donald Trump is such an enemy to free expression. I agree that Donald Trump is an enemy of free expression, yeah. but that is, you know, it's just like falling on your sword for no damn good reason. And the board yanked that down as soon as we found out about it. It was, again, that was when we should have revised our communications policy. Yeah. Things have been, we've been so under-resourced, so beleaguered, and so underfinanced the last six months to a year that it's, you know, unfortunately these issues happened. And that's why we're taking this time that's to reevaluate. That's what I thought. I feel like that's kind of a bit of an amateur hour here. Like, you yeah. know, Tom's not running things anymore. And I don't know what process and vetting. And, you know, Kevin Metcalf, God bless him. I got nothing against activists. And I guess there is an activist component to what CGFE does. But, you know, he describes himself, your communications guy, he describes himself on Facebook as the wolfhound and on his Twitter bio as a writer, a wannabe journalist, a propagandist, a professional pain in the ass, uppity peasant, multi-issue extremist. Opinions are my own, soon to be yours. I don't think he had that description when he was, you know, before he posted that post on Facebook. I could be wrong, but I certainly to my knowledge. I, I'm not trying to like, you yeah. know, that kind of like campus radical agitation propaganda stuff is fine. And it's, yeah. sometimes it's effective, but your organization. It's not us. It's not you. Like We're having advocates. a gala with Carol yeah. off and the CBC participating and getting involved in legislative attempt. Like, you know, there's people who need CGFEs. And then, you know, people came back at me. There were many journalists, you know, Doug Saunders and then John Kay. And there's some who were just saying, oh, that's it for CGFE. They're done. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there'll be a great new organization. I said, no, like they're worth saving yeah. for fuck's sake. They do things and I hope that they overcome this mistake. And then I was seized upon what mistake? What's wrong with... Uh, and again, it's a case where saying something that's true that shouldn't have been said. And and here I'm going to talk a little bit specifically about the message. Should CJFE be denouncing the murder, you know, like the shooting of a journalist? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yes. And you've always done that. Yep. Hazier, but still worth talking about. Should CJFE be standing up for the right of demonstrators and protesters to demonstrate and protest without being shot? Yes. And that is part of our mandate. That has been something that's been contentious with journalists where they've said, well, CGFE is a journalism organization. We're not. If you look at our mandate, we're not just a journalism organization. But then the language is that you are Canadian journalists and to what extent that is inclusive of Canadian journalists. And then you create a situation where journalists have to say, well, they're not this Canadian journalist. But I guess for the free expression rights of all people. That's that's in our mandate. To stand up for protesters and demonstrators to exert their free expression is within the mandate. And and you've done that many times Mm -hmm. before. But to then define the Palestinian uprising and the Palestinian movement as a free expression movement, well, it certainly is a free expression movement, but it's not only a free expression movement. And defining it as such without recognizing the militant and sometimes violent aspects of it, without judgment, those exist, I think was interpreted by many as taking a side. I don't think that that is what the statement did, but I think that the statement was written in a way that people could interpret it that way. And that is a mistake. Like, and the timing, you did this a week before that journalist got shot. and it was Yeah, but after 10 journalists had been wounded and people online said that there was no proof how do we know these journals blah, 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 blah. We based it off of reports from CPJ that they had- Well, you um, didn't cite the CPJ in the statement. Uh, apparently not. I don't know. It, so it, it was a different source. So it looked like you were first, and quite rightly, it was pointed out that many other journalist advocacy and free yeah. expression groups have made similar statements, but not the exact same kind of statement. No, it was a mistake. It was a mistake, plain and simple. I think that there was some misinterpretation of it, but it was, we went from being the advocates, that is core to our mission, to straying into activism, and that is going beyond our mandate. This is the latest example of that. 
and that's why we've taken it down. Yeah. We're issuing this new statement and uh, and we're going to be doing a fulsome review of our mandate and what we're going to be doing going forward. Because as you said, CJFE is extremely important. We're still running the Journalists in Distress Fund. So we're still going to be giving emergency grants to journalists around the world to save their lives and get them out of really dangerous situations. We're still involved in the Ben Maku case going to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still going to be doing all of that good work and we're going to be refocusing on that work. So we're going to be taking a bit of time to make sure that we can do that. You know, CJFE has made mistakes. We're going to refocus and be the organization that Canada needs us to be. I'm glad to hear that. I hope you turn the corner. You know, you walk the thinnest line because I know to be an advocacy organization, a political group for journalists, that's the one thing journalists can't do is join political groups. And I think that- We're not, We don't consider ourselves political. Okay, fine. It's whatever. We can't get behind causes because it- Yeah. And not just because, not just because of Carol Loft's argument that like, hey, I've got to be even-handed and fair and objective, and I can't be a member of a group that is perceived to be taking one side. But what Doug Saunders said, which is like, hey, I just castigated the Israeli government for this. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I'm going to be under pressure from people saying this Doug Saunders guy, Globe and Mail, why are you giving him space to he's biased? He's an opinion guy who's come out against Israel and he needs to be able to say, look, I'm an opinion guy. I'm I'm paid to look at the facts and come up with an opinion. And if people, if my critics can point to me like, oh, really? Then why are you in bed with a lobby group that is on the same side as him trying to affect political outcomes? Globe and Mail, are you just some activist rag? You actually are impeding people's ability to take that exact same side. Mm -hmm. I denounce that use of extreme force on Israel's part. But I feel like the only cause that journalists can really all get behind is journalism. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing we can lobby for. Journalists have a hard time lobbying for any cause, including their own jobs, yeah. their own ability to do their jobs. <laughs> and we found that out. And that's that has been a constant struggle for us. And we have crossed a line. And so now we're going and we're, we're making sure that that never happens again. Well, I'm, I'm conflicted as hell in this. So why don't I make it worse on myself? I've asked people to support CGFE in good times when you've had big wins, like the press shield law, mm-hmm. uh, like protecting sources at the CBC, who are now no longer, I guess, as affiliated with you as they used to be. And But you've done wonderful things for them. I think people should support you in this hour of need when you've not done the greatest thing and when you've maybe refocused on what you should be doing. And I can tell you, people can support us because you're going to be supporting change to bring us back to our core mandate and to fighting for what Canada needs in terms of journalistic protections and free expression protections. Well, cool. I Look, I'm, every journalist who stands with you is placing themselves, you know, a, a little bit of a vulnerable position that, you know, I'm, I'm willing to advocate for journalism and yeah, nothing willing else. willing to advocate for my <laughs> own job. Yeah. yeah. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> we will make sure that we don't. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month 
at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, Tom. If you need a website, think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They make it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website, customize everything from the look and feel to settings and products, all optimized for mobile right out of the box with built-in search engine optimization. You can showcase your work, blog, publish content, announce a special project, sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. Nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. If you ever do have a question, they've got 24-7 customer support. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you are ready to launch... Use the offer code CANADALAND. You'll get 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. Offer code CANADALAND. What do you got for Duly Noted? For Duly Noted, I've got Jenny Monet. Uh, she's a reporter who was at the Standing Rock protests uh, and pretty much has had, you know, everyone heard about Amy Goodman. Everyone has not heard about Jenny Monet. She's going to court. She was charged and she's now going to court. And that's it's a case that people need to be aware of because she's a journalist who's being railroaded by the American government. And that's something that we should all be concerned about. Duly noted. OK, I want to duly note an opinion piece that was in the Financial Post. Headline was why Facebook and Google want to make sure Canadians can keep stealing entertainment. <laughs> that's a hell of a headline, isn't it? So this is a, a former uh, retired intellectual property lawyer, uh, Richard C. Owens. And, you know, it came to my attention when another uh, internet and copyright intellectual property lawyer, Michael Geist, pointed out that this is an op-ed that is premised on the claim that Facebook, Microsoft, AT&T, and Cisco are opposed to this new proposal that ISP should be blocking content to pirate sites. Mm -hmm. And Geist is like, yeah, none of those companies actually took a position or were part of the CRTC's whole process. So very specifically, it seems like an error. And and then it's, I think, just kind of like uh, jump on the bandwagon of this anti-Facebook moment to say, Facebook is bad and, and, and Facebook wants you to be. And like the argument of why Facebook wants Canadians to steal content is this ludicrous argument that like somehow the ISPs, I don't know how Facebook fits into this, but because piracy is so much a part of what we do online, the more internet we use, the better it is for internet companies. And therefore, they're against artists getting paid. And it's just like a, a sick deja vu to the early, you know, anti-Napster yeah. shit. And the other thing is that it's not just, it's not about, this case really isn't just about piracy. This is something that we've looked at at CJFE as well. Um, and just I personally have been really interested in. It's not just about piracy. It's about the fact that you're all of a sudden legislating the ability for ISPs to have a switch on what you can access or not on the internet. Because if they can turn off the piracy switch, then it won't be long before they turn off everything else. Look at the UK and what they've done with their pornography laws. 
does. You know, it's horrifying that they can go in and they can shut off access to whatever. And once that infrastructure is in place, it's very easy for your rights to be rolled back. Yeah, this is a story that Canada Land told everybody about first when we when we found the documents that Rogers was putting together, this Fair Play Consortium. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBC has joined. The, the new president of the CBC, Catherine Tate, is on side. And, uh, you know, it's everything bad and old is new again here. We see it as a net neutrality issue as much as everything else, as a Absolutely. censorship issue. It's, it's, it's about a government body that's going to have an internet blacklist, and blacklists always have false positives. And as you say, you've created a precedent for just uh, wiping sites off of the internet. Fuck them. Yeah, and it won't work. It won't work because VPNs will be able to get around it no problem. And you can put in a VPN blocker and then they'll come up with new VPNs to get around that. Yeah, it's it, pointless. It, it's, it's, I think, further, you know, we're already, we've already drifted so far off in Canada from just you look at services that are, they don't even bother to roll them out in Canada because it's just like the regime here is. Yeah, and it sucks. You know, I want to get, I want more content on Netflix. Yeah. So it's, I'm a millennial. I don't have cable. I mean, this isn't going to be happening. You know, they want taxes. There's all kinds of new efforts now, new copyright extensions that they want in Canada. And it's just, it's just like this is an eternal struggle. I, I covered yeah. this for years. They're just always going to be pushing for this. And I guess we just always have to push back. Yep. Very quickly, I just want to give props on this one. When Sean Craig was at Canada Land, he was a reporter who you know brought us the Amanda Lang story and the story about Brunswick News, this Larry's Gulch. He did, he did things here that made me proud. And then he's done things after he's left Canada Land that have made me equally proud to have worked with him, uh, like his investigation into the cocaine trafficking advice. But nothing that Sean Craig has done Nothing has made me as proud as his live tweeting of the Real Estate Expo starring Sylvester Stallone and Pitbull. (laughs) Um, This was a a momentary viral sensation when Sean Craig, I don't know if he bought a ticket to this Real Estate Expo. I don't know if he got a press pass, but he was there, man. And he live tweeted every second of Pitbull and Sylvester Stallone and others telling you how to uh, achieve wealth and attain personal success and fulfillment through real estate. Uh, You know, it, it just props where it's due for facts and humor Follow Sean Craig on Twitter. What does Sylvester Stallone need the money to go to a real estate expo for? What is he buying more fedoras? Dude, like, the what? tweets are hilarious. He just ate up the time. He basically said, uh, "I got nothing else." I'm, just, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry for that. Uh, I got 15 more. I got 15 more minutes. I don't know. If, that's my Sylvester Stallone voice, but that's uh, that's what he did. And he just he just ran down the clock in Toronto. Yeah, weird. Duly noted. Finally, Tom. After 15 seasons. Rick Mercer is going off the air, has gone off the air. And I think the classy thing to do when we're talking about someone who is obviously a decent guy mm-hmm. and a smart guy and a hardworking guy and a beloved guy, the decent and classy thing to do would be to say, hey, round of applause. Thanks for all those shows. A lot of people enjoyed them. But I'm not paid to be classy. <laughs> no one, No one hired me to be classy. Yeah. Careful. I'm a fellow Newfoundlander, though. So it's, uh, you know, we tend to band together. We decided to be counterintuitive with the Mercer Report when we started. We decided we would only celebrate. If we were going to talk about Thunder Bay, we would only celebrate Thunder Bay. And that's remained consistent throughout the entire 15 years. Okay. So he's said similar things before. He he had a a version of that quote when he was talking to the star. He'd done a bunch of press, you know, farewell press. Mm -hmm. Fine. And he said to the star, we don't shit on Thunder Bay. If we go to Thunder Bay, it's because it's the greatest place on earth. I don't want to shit on Thunder Bay either. We're doing a podcast about Thunder Bay. We're not going there to shit on Thunder Bay. But Thunder Bay has the highest homicide rate in Canada and the highest hate crime rate in Canada. It's not the greatest place on earth. And I guess my problem with Rick Mercer is that he, for 15 years, has perpetuated a kind of Canadiana that I think gets us further away from understanding ourselves Mm. and being truthful with ourselves. And, you know, it's been pointed out by a lot, hey, it's not fair to say, why isn't he Jon Stewart? 
why isn't he John Oliver? Like, he's just not that guy. But we don't have that guy. And for 15 years, political satire in Canada has been skinny dipping with the politician, making a fool of yourself to make the politician look like a good sport. It's not Rick Mercer's fault that we haven't had anyone else and that he's been this person, but it is a statement about Canada that that's our guy. It He reflects... I guess what the kind of, you know, that milk toast idea of the Canadian self-identity, which is, you know, but then again, it's not his job to do that necessarily, right? He's a, he's a satirist and a comedian. He's not an investigative reporter. So if he wants to go out and, you know, do like an on the road again style thing, uh, which is really what I re- like, I just looked at his show as a new funnier on the road again, which is something that I loved when I was like, I don't know, five. Yeah. Um, you know, then I think that's fine. I, I like Rick Mercer. I don't agree with everything that he says. I think you're right that perpetuating that identity of Canada as just like super friendly, fun, loving place is, is not the best. But I think there's also counterpoints to that. And, you know, a little bit of self-love in Canada doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I guess not. And part of this is subjective. Like I do feel like, you know, what I just said is so, and, and that's not his fault that there isn't somebody else doing the stuff with teeth. This part where he bugs me, like I don't like his stuff or I'm not mm. a fan of his work. is like, he's not always nice. Like talking to Americans, which made him famous. That wasn't nice. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it was kind of a low blow. Like why should somebody from Kentucky know who our prime minister is and tricking them into saying, you know, Jean Poutine or whatever is like, I don't know. Like, it was kind of funny though. It At was, least it was when I, when that came out when I was a teenager. It, it made me laugh, but like the laugh is dumb Americans don't yeah. know shit about us. And then you think, well, do I know who their mayor is? You know? So there, there was an edge to him, but he's not willing to take risks. Uh, there's a pandering nature to the guy that always bugged me. And I don't know, there's, there's all these Canadian qualities that I have issues with. Like I was talking to somebody who worked at the National who said, you know, during this whole, like, let's make the National more entertaining phase, we kept inviting Rick onto the show to do humorous bits, to do like funny John Oliver rants. Mm-hmm. And he would show up and just do serious political commentary. <laughs> and that's the Canadian thing. Like if you're a comedian, your job is to be funny. You yeah. know, everybody wants to be like the serious guy. Like, no, like anyhow, here's like the the most, I guess, like crystallized example of my problems with Rick Mercer. Oh, I'm interested to hear I'm not this. here to praise. I'm here to bury him. Um, no, good luck to him. He'll do wonderful things. It'll be great. <laughs> but here's what he said in one of his goodbye interviews. We became a family show. I just didn't expect that to happen. When it started, it was an adult show. Probably in the first season, at some point, I said, welcome to Regina, the city that rhymes with fun. And I got emails from people saying, well, I had to explain that joke to my seven-year-old. And I was thinking, why are you watching the show with your kids? And that's how we found out that it was a family show and he shouldn't do jokes about Regina rhyming with vagina. So I have three problems with that. My first Mm -hmm. part is that Regina rhyming with vagina is exactly a joke for seven-year-olds. That's Mm -hmm. that's, that's only who it's a joke for, okay? And if your seven-year-old doesn't get it, then you need to tell your seven-year-old what a vagina is. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I have a seven-year-old. I think he'd get that joke. If not, I would explain it to him. I wouldn't oh, fumble. And so there's this pandering to Canadians. You can't have at eight o'clock a reference to a vagina. But the biggest problem I have with that is that in Rick Mercer's mind, Rick Mercer considers it blue material for he, at the time, a closeted gay man or a semi-closeted gay man to make a joke to small city Canadians. Hey, vaginas are fun, right guys? <laughs> 
Like that's a pandering to like this is what's going to play in the sticks. Yeah, it's like, I don't think that has anything to do with being a closeted gay man. Though. Well, I, I think that there is, and I'm I'm pointing that out, and I'm going to take a lot of shit for it because I think that he has very carefully manicured how he presents himself to Canadians based on a rather insulting and pandering idea of what Canadians will find palatable. Right? It's yeah, weird. It's weird for see, a gay yeah. man to make vaginas are fun jokes. Right? That is uh, a that's a joke about, about that. that's a straight man. That's a dumb frat boy straight man joke. And he was. It is a dumb joke. It's a dumb joke that you tell to guys like, hey, vaginas are fun. And you tell that and you're presenting yourself as a straight guy. Like, like what? People couldn't handle it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I went there. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And it's, I, it's, it's so, you see, now that is the fine line that I am happy to allow you to walk, Jesse. <laughs> That's your Candleland Shortcuts for this week. <laughs> you can email me at jesse at candlelandshow.com. I read what you send me. We're on Twitter at Candleland. Tom, where can people find you? I'm at Hennifer on Twitter. Uh, it's hard to spell, but good luck spelling it because I'm not going to spell it out here. <laughs> Uh, it's in the show notes. Check it out on our website, canadalandshow.com, where you'll find all kinds of news stories. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This episode is produced by David Crosby. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.